Yes, you should mock yourself incessantly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a new thing. We should try that sometime. <laughs> <laughs> We're always so self-serious. Well, that, that's a t-shirt right there. <laughs> when, why so serious? I also think that might be a trademark <laughs> issue. Shush, shush you, lawyers. <laughs> So you've already heard that our uh, esteemed co-host is way too good for you and wants nothing yeah. to do with this legal episode. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I, uh, I I was saying to Colton that um, I still haven't met him, and so I don't know if he exists. No, he doesn't. It's actually, you'll learn real soon that between Colton and I, we fake his voice, and so you'll just hear this occasional deep, really grotesque grunting, and then occasionally deep voices, and then he does some audio tricks later. Oh, that would explain <laughs> the love for the bourbon cream all of a sudden. It was like... Goddamn right. He slow played that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we did real good. I'm real proud of us. All right, good time for a drop. This is the Still Talking Podcast with Zeno, Colton, and myself, Brian. Today, Zeno is sick or dead or he's somewhere. I mean, it's fine. He'll probably turn up. Um, we just got to come up with the bail money. But that's convenient because we have our good friend, Corey. Corey Day, a lawyer. You can help solve a lot of Zeno's problems or at the very least put them in perspective of how fucked he is. Uh, that's fair. Uh, he should know. I don't do criminal matters, so... Okay, good podcast. Zeno, you're on your own. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, well, I guess that, I mean, I don't think we're going to be able to help you out with any of those parking tickets either, Colton. You were really serious about those. Oh, yeah, I'm real, I'm real screwed. I already didn't pay them. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so I'm confused. Are there other kinds of law besides the kind of trouble Zeno gets in and parking tickets? Can you explain that to us, Corey? Oh, uh, yes. Um, th there's more law than you, any, pretty much anything you want to do, the law is going to touch on it. Um, it's, it's kind of ridiculous. So uh, in the distilling world, uh, everything from, you know, signing your first lease on a place, potentially buying a place, uh, going through all the regulation to get your license up and running, uh, entering into contracts for your, for your goods, uh, for your like raw materials, um, the regulations on the kind of like energy you're, put, you're putting in and anything you're putting out. Uh, there's more law than than uh, than you would care to think about. And you're about to give us the exact right answer for each scenario possible. Yes, yes, it, that will hour. apply Thank to you. every single person anywhere in the country. That is the disclaimer. That, yes, here, uh, and here is the real disclaimer. Uh, this this is for entertainment purposes and informational purposes and educational purposes. I'm not giving you legal advice. I'm not your lawyer. If you have any questions or if you don't have any questions, go consult an attorney. Well said. Well said. Also, the only thing that was accurate about what you said is the fact that this is not legal representation. This is not entertainment or education. <laughs> so let's be clear with there. Let's let's. So, Corey, tell us what firm are you at? Uh, so I'm at a firm called Stoll Reeves. Um, we've got uh, a number of offices across, a, 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 I think, 10 or so states. Um, our main office is out of Portland, um, followed by our next biggest up in Seattle. And so we've got a really big Northwest presence. Um, and we're trying to grow that. And uh, one of the areas that we practice is alcoholic beverage work. Nice. So do you just focus on California side? or And then if someone from another state that you guys also represent, you just send them over there? 
Yeah, I mean, more or less, that's how... Branch, I guess. Yeah, that's more or less how it shakes out. Um, We can consult with each other. What's really great about having so many attorneys with, uh, like, a depth of knowledge in the area is if I've got a trademark issue, I can go consult um, our attorney up in uh, Seattle with my my trademark concerns. If I've got a question about signing a distributorship agreement, I can call up Stephanie Meyer, and she'll tell me what to do with a distributorship agreement. So I've got like a bench of people. So it makes me seem really smart because I, I tell somebody who asked me a question, let me get right back to you on that. Meanwhile, I can jot off an email and get an answer and get get the client exactly what they need. In my mind, now, they're all sitting they... behind you in the room right now, like ready for you. <laughs> like you're just going to ping them and they're like, yeah, yeah, I got this. Yeah, it's, it was kind of um, uh, confusing why they're all in my living room right now while I'm recording this. Um, but, you know, that's how we work. <laughs> they're here. They're supporting me. Are we going to do a news segment? You know, I don't have any. We pretty much ran through all the news yesterday. So I figured. I sent you two amazing articles. Yeah, today. I, I don't actually read anything you've ever sent me. Why would I do? Well, that? they were really good. Well, well what, first off, the one last night was amazing. The, the, the one I, I looked at one and it was not <laughs> distilling news at all, but it still made me laugh. Uh, yeah, but it was great. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty great. It was pretty great. I like the idea of just doing random bits of uh, news that have nothing <laughs> to do with our industry at all. Ooh, you could uh, well, pull up the press release for the uh, Taco Bell. Oh, um, they're doing like a Taco Bell hotel. Whoa. Okay, this wow. is news we have to talk about. Please, Corey, bring us the news and information today. What is going on with the Taco Bell Hotel? Oh, gosh, I have to find it now. Let me pull up this uh, press release. It's um, it's kind of ridiculous. Uh, Taco Bell Hotel. It's going to be like a resort in like Palm Springs or something. All yes. right. If you want. Okay. That makes I, perfect sense. All right. I've got the P. I've got it off a of PR Newswire. Do you want to read it? Or do you want me to read it? Please read it to us. You're taking. You take the reins of the news for us today. All right. So this this is fresh news. Um, as of three months ago, um, uh, Taco Bell Hotel launching August 2019. So that's right now. Um, the press release yes. says adding a spicy twist to summer travel. <laughs> God, keep uh, going. This is uh, good. They've they've coined a new word. Uh, they've they've taken taco, and they've taken oasis and combined it into a taco oasis. Uh, oh. So it's a taco oasis resort <laughs> of food, fun, and all things Taco Bell. Uh, it awaits fans in Palm Springs. So what's Palm Springs? Uh, all right. So here's here's where they go. They go get ready for bell hops and Baja blasts. Oh oh, that was good. Bell hops. Oh. Yeah, yeah, this is really good. Keep going, keep going. This is doing it for me. Uh, fire sauce and sauce packet floaties because the Taco Bell Hotel oh. is coming and will give fans an unexpected and unforgettable trip of a lifetime. Beginning August 9th, oh, tomorrow. Well, actually, we probably want to not have the dates in here. Uh, beginning August 9th, for a limited time, doors will open at the Bell, colon, a Taco Bell Hotel and Resort in Palm Springs, California. Making fans' oh dreams come true with an immersive way to celebrate the best of the brand. Uh, the person that wrote this press release was cr- just messed up on Coke at three in the morning. They hammered this out and they've never been more proud of the work they put out. This is really. See, good. I was thinking, whoa. I was thinking they were more, uh, you know, wasted off of craft spirits, thus making it. <laughs> Crap spirit news. And that is an actually great, great point. They will have poolside cocktails infused with a Taco Bell ah. twist. I have always wanted a rum and Baja blast. 
Uh, it is the uh, year of rum. Let me see where. Let's see how they describe these cocktails. Damn straight it is, Corey. Damn straight it is. Uh, God, all right, I'm not seeing. News. Yeah, I'm not seeing what's going to go into these cocktails. Um, we do learn that uh, Taco Bell uh, was founded by Glenn Bell in 1962. Oh, I really did learn something today. Um, and the, yeah, I want to know more about Glenn Bell. I feel like from now on, our new section is Taco Bell related only. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's that's a new twist. I'm pretty happy about. Also, uh, apparently, the experience is for Taco Bell super fans, 18 plus. So I don't know what's going on at the Taco Bell hotel um, that no kids are allowed. <laughs> what? Whoa! <laughs> oh, okay, and I clicked through. I clicked through. All right, there is a website. You can go to TacoBell.com/slash. There's a bunch of stuff. Just Google it. But uh, it's fully booked. The bell is fully booked with reservations. If you weren't able to join us in Palm Springs, follow at Taco Bell for updates. God. I was just going to say, next year, we've got to book like a block of rooms and have some sort of still talking get together at the Taco Bell Hotel. All right. I think that's well, kind of the next ACSA conference. Yes. Kind of getting oh, ahead of yourself, guys. Uh, that that, pres- <laughs> that presumes that it's going to be so successful that they're going to bring it back again next year. Don't ruin this for me, Corey. Uh, you know, to be fair, they brought back Nacho Fries about five times. So there's, there's, there's a shot. Yep. Good call. Good call. All right, Corey. Uh, actual information. So how long have you been in Alcohol Beverage Law? Um, I've been doing it for a little over two years now. Um, uh, I started out in it because I went to a firm that had an alcoholic beverage practice and the attorney that was managing it had left like right as I came in and I was just kind of given the reins. Um, and nice. I had interest uh, in law school. I, I was in the wine law society, um, which was an excuse to to bring in people to talk about wine. Um, and that was enjoyable. Is that is that like lawyer book club? That's a lot what that sounds like. When you put it like that, yeah, I would, I would say so. Uh, and so like when I when I got into the new firm, I was like, all right, I want to get into the industry. What do I do? Uh, so I, I went on the, the interwebs and I found the ADI websites and the ACSA websites. And I found the local guild um, and I reached out to the local guild and I was like, hey, do you need legal presentations? What are your legal concerns? I want to just give you information and I want to be a valuable resource. And then that way I can learn more about what the industry needs. And hopefully um, I can learn along the way how best to cater to you guys. Um, And that led to me submitting a presentation topic to the ACSA. And they didn't pick me the first year, but they said, hey, we like the topic. Do you want to do it as a webinar? I said, sure. So it was on social media and the law and the kind of restrictions that are out there and what you can and can't say. Uh, And so I gave that as a webinar. And then uh, by that time, that was like April of last year, I guess. And they they had the next call for a presentation. So I submitted another one. Um, and they took it. And so that's where I met you guys was at ACSA in lovely Minneapolis in February. Mm-hmm. That was a good time of year. <laughs> it, was, it was splendid. I packed, all of the clo- I packed all of the clothes I had <laughs> and it still wasn't <laughs> enough. <laughs> uh, I don't know why you went outside. The whole city is connected through gerbil tunnels. Yeah, I'm pretty but sure I mean, we still are looking for some of those distillers, though. They're still lost in Minneapolis. They're going to get defrosted like uh, Encino Man. Yeah, oh, that good movie reference. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, but I mean, how could you not go outside? I mean, it was below zero 
And I, you know, it was like a five hour flight to Minneapolis. Like, how could I not go experience the city? How it was meant to be experienced. <laughs> but, but at least it was a dry winter. Nope. That doesn't work. Sorry. Shit. I tried to make that one work. No, no, it was, it was well, slushy I mean, we'll and make wet. Up, ACSA will make up for it by going to the, the Taco Bell hotel. And then everyone will be warm. ACSA 2021. Uh, Palm Springs, Taco Bell's <laughs> going to co-sponsor it. <laughs> oh, I'm so happy about this. Uh, okay, so let's let's talk law because that's exciting. And we are in one of the most regulated industries pretty much ever, at least in this country for sure. Uh, give me some of the most common things without, I obviously you, you can only go into so much detail, but what are some of the most common things you run into with your clients in this industry? What are you running into over and over again? I'd say number one, um, and I also do uh, like craft um, beer work, but uh, I'm seeing more and more like uh, trademark issues, um, mm-hmm. people not doing the research necessary um, before putting a lot of time and money into into a brand. Um, and that could be as, as terrible as their actual name of the distillery. Um, but more often, it's, it's the actual products they're putting out. Um, right. I don't know if you've seen, it's really, uh, there's a couple of websites that just keep, uh, keep track like blatant trademark violations for like the beer side. I don't know if you've ever followed them, but they're kind of fun to watch. No, then yeah, again, I'm a huge, lawyer, so maybe it isn't fun. <laughs> it's been a huge problem for beer for a long time, and Spirits hadn't faced that, I don't think. But I so, you're saying you're saying there's some idiots out there, huh? <laughs> no, I, no, no, no. I mean, the thing is, um, <laughs> no there there are there are people that uh, there are people that need. Uh, legal assistance and there's people that don't know they need legal assistance (laughs) um uh, but that's interesting you bring up trademarks oh i was just gonna say that's interesting because i haven't heard much about it lately but are you familiar with any of the issues this was a few years ago a bunch of people were running into the issue of trademark infringement with craft distilling craft distiller i believe there was someone in california that essentially own that trademark. And even ACSA, when they first got started, ACSA was ACDA, American Craft Distilling Association, and they got hit with a copyright infringement and they had to change. And I know a bunch of distilleries were running into that. Basically, there was like a dozen or so a year that were running into issues. And I haven't heard anything in a while. Is that something that's still going on? Is that something people should be aware of? Any thoughts on that? I I haven't heard that one. Um, but what, what tends to happen is you get kind of like a genericness problem. So you guys have probably heard of like Xeroxing things, right? Uh, right. That was a terrible thing for Xerox because when it went from people saying make a photocopy or whatever the terminology was to I'm going to Xerox it, it, it entered the like common parlance in a way that it just became the generic term for what you were doing. And so with crafts distilling... I would imagine you'll get there. I'm not sure if that person still has the mark. That's one of the downsides to trademarks, though, is you have to defend it. You need to be out there policing because right. if you yeah. don't, somebody else can come and uh, start to use it, and then you lose that protection. Interesting. Can you Do you still have the right to use it, but then you basically can't police it anymore? How does that work if you don't do your due diligence and protect your trademark? Uh, that's generally what happens, especially on the genericness front. Um, once it once it becomes generic, pretty much anyone can use it. I think a good example is uh, have you heard about the Singer sewing machines? 
Like yeah. Big brand. Yeah. Um, so they became so popular that like, I, and I might be messing this up, so I should double check it, but <laughs> I believe they, they became so popular that Singer was basically synonymous with sewing machines. Um, and so they became generic and they kind of lost the rights to protect their mark. Um, but then over time, it kind of faded and went back to sewing machine and Singer kind of regained their uniqueness um, and have reestablished their rights. And I can Google that and make sure I'm not talking out of my ass. And I'm sure they protect the hell out of it now. <laughs> I would, I would I hope so. That happen again. But we are, you know, quitting the distilling industry and opening up a sewing machine company. I mean, Singer, Singer 2. If if anyone's going to start a small sewing sweatshop, it's absolutely Zeno. I mean, there's no way that's not happening in New Orleans too. We well, we did we did talk about we were doing swag the last episode, so t-shirts. So yeah, this is a good good place to say yeah, we're doing uh, slave labor in uh, New Orleans with Zeno. So that's <laughs> yes. that's what you're supporting when you buy good, a still talking t-shirt tactic. <laughs> all right, I've I've googled it. I've googled it. Singer became generic for all sewing machines. And then it regained, um, how did they phrase it? Uh, reprotection for formerly generic trademark. So, all right. Wait, so is it possible that could Google lose their trademark? Yeah, how does that work? I assume they have so much money and so many lawyers. I know we have, that's not we an have, issue. Yeah, I'm going spe- to speculate wildly on a very, po- <laughs> very expensive company. Um, I think they do everything in their power to make sure that they distinguish themselves um, uh, from, from being googling like making sure that you say like when you google something you're using the google search engine i'm going to guarantee they use search engine as much as possible in their language uh so with that in mind i'm going to start uh doing a series of youtube videos where i say (laughs) i'm going to google something and look at an encyclopedia just to really (laughs) undermine that trademark as much as possible that's a good at the idea. very good least idea. i can get insight yeah i thought so i thought so i am a petty man if nothing else <laughs> yeah. well we've really accomplished something here today so. <laughs> uh the slow erosion of google <laughs> uh aren't you glad you came on the podcast Corey? <laughs> yeah i'm thoroughly worried i'm like uh i think i think i'm okay i think i'm okay Let's see. Uh, what 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 corporations have we pissed off so far? Uh, definitely Singer. Definitely Google. I mean, we could we can expand this list. It's gonna. Be I feel great. I feel good about the Singer thing. I've definitely looked that up. Google. I'd be very worried about. I don't want to get on Google's bad side. <laughs> I do appreciate that. I think this might be the first time we've actually uh, specifically fact checked ourselves during the show. So, uh, which is a shame because now Rob isn't going to have anything to yell at us for. Although I'm pretty yeah. sure Rob will still find something to yell at us for, <laughs> which he should because we're idiots. <laughs> what is the? I'm sure you can't tell us super specific, but like the craziest legal battle you've had to fight. Spirit related, obviously. Uh, not, not your upcoming lawsuit with Google. I, <laughs> I don't know about crazy, but I got into a pretty good back and forth um, with with the local regulatory agency about what kind of fence was needed between two licensed premises. Um, and, and it got very specific. I think we ended up on Chainlink, but we had a lot of back and forth of them saying, no, that won't work. No, that won't work. It's like, it's a fence. What more do you want? It's going to keep somebody from going from one side to the other side. Like, well, we want to make sure that it's impossible to pass anything through the fence. Okay. Uh, That's weird. I'd always heard that California had 
had allowed sort of the you're talking about basically a brewery and distillery, right? The two facilities. Essentially, yeah, it was two licensed premises. I'd always heard that they allowed basically garage doors that you could just leave open, but as long as it at some point could close, it counted. No. Uh, maybe maybe that's worked in the past, um, but they were very clear that you can't have direct access from one to another. Well, okay, you could have a garage door on the outside of the building. So like, let's say you had a garage door on one side, a garage door on the other side that opens to the outside that you can walk yeah, around. But between, you couldn't have a wall that you could have a door swing open on. I mean, so part of the issue was that I think that their main concern was they didn't want you to be allowing, on the one hand, customers to go directly from one to the other because they wanted to keep them separate. And two, they didn't want you to be passing um, alcohol between them that wasn't properly taxed. Like, I think that was the main concern. They didn't want it to, they didn't want you to be able to like pass alcohol from, from the spirit side to the beer side without them getting their taste. That's interesting. Was that with the was that with the local um, regulatory? That was the state regulators. That was for that piece of it, um, and we didn't. I think because we we met the standard for them, it wasn't an issue um, with the okay. feds. I was going to say one of the anecdotal things I've heard for years now is that when it comes to regulation, legal issues, the feds for the most part, TTB is fairly easy and direct to work with, but you really start running into issues on the state and even on the county level. That's where it gets kind of hairy. Has that been your experience as well? Yeah. And I think part of it is on, on the state side, I've seen a lot of like unwritten rules. Um, so for one example, um, private labeling of, of alcohol uh, where you right. have like a retailer getting a private label um, for, for a distiller or, or a brewer um, and then so that they can sell that product. It, there's nothing in the regs in California that says what you need to do for that. But if you actually call up the ABC, they have a very specific set of rules on what they want you to do. They want you to make sure that every single cost um, is is being spelled out and is being borne by the – so if, if it costs money for the distillery to do it, they want the retailer to pay for that. So you're going to pay a service fee on top, right, for them actually producing your alcohol. But if it comes to paying for bottles, if it comes for paying for barrels, if it comes for corkage, labels, um, submitting things, all of that, they want to see the receipts and show that you had your retailer pay for it. Um, because they don't want to have anybody giving a thing of value. Um, and that's their hook right. is it's a thing of value. So that's the, where they point to the law. They say, you know, a, a, a manufacturer cannot give a thing of value to a retailer. Um, and then so they've defined internally without putting out like a list of what you need to do, how you can accomplish not giving a thing of value. And it's, it's basically that keeping your receipts and making sure that the retailer is not getting any kind of discount. Right. Well, and that can get so finite and so detailed that even like a social media post uh, advocating for a specific bar can be considered a thing of value, right? Yeah. And they've got, they've gotten, um, as social media is blown up, they are catching up. So they have Good. been adding regulations. Um, so I think in, in California now, it's something like you can have, if you're like, let's say you're going to have some kind of event that has retailers and a whole uh, production uh, manufacturers together. Um, the, the manufacturer can shout out um, the retailer, but they need to shout out at least two retailers in their post and they can't say anything great about them. They can't be like, uh, <laughs> go on, yeah, go down to Joe Schmo's grocery. They, they're the best. They have the best selection. They carry our stuff. 
you, you they'd have to say something like Joe Schmo's grocery is carrying our alcohol along with uh, uh, Jill Schill's grocery. Uh, go check it out. And they both have moldy produce. <laughs> yeah, they both have wicked produce. <laughs> they both have completely adequate selections. <laughs> have we told you about how average they are? I have experienced very limited discrimination at these two establishments. <laughs> no, that's positive. Now, hold on. Oh, shit. That's all right. Sorry. I have experienced a small amount of discrimination at both of these establishments. <laughs> and one thing I will say that's good, though, too, about the locals, uh, local agencies is they have been doing a really good job of getting out to different conferences and making sure that they give a presentation on what their hot button topics are. So that's how I pick up on a lot of uh, what the, what they're kind of focusing on by going out to like the craft beer summit where they'll have a presentation. And they were talking for that when they were talking about like giveaways in California and what you can and can't do regarding sweepstakes and contests, which ended up opening a can of worms. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah, it always does. So, how many distilleries are in California now? Since you're working oh, with the guilds, what last I'd heard they had the most craft distilleries in the U.S. right now. Yeah, last, still up to date. Yeah, last I heard we were. I think we were. Oh god, were we up to like a hundred? Um, yeah, I think you broke a hundred. Was it one sixty? I want to say you're close to like one. Yeah, I don't know if it's that. I, I think if I remember right. New York is second and they're like hovering around like oh. 115 or so. Right. As of October and I remember 16th, California was over that. All right. As of October 16th, 2018, which I guess that's a, you know, almost a year ago, we were at 89 licensed craft distillers. That is craft distillers. So that is a license we have that's different than a, a distilling license. So is that what you guys right. are counting actual craft distillers? No, I was counting any DSP essentially. I'd say that'd be high because a lot of uh, so one fun thing is in California, a wine license can make brandy. Um, they have to get an additional right. DSP license on top, but um, so that I could uh, see a that lot probably of... blows that number up substantially. Yeah. Yep. yep. So that's actually interesting. For a while there, I, if I recall, California was having an issue where you could sell it like farmers markets. You could sell brandy based products because of some of those like interconnected laws. But if you made anything else, you couldn't sell it at the farmer's markets. And I know the guild was fighting for a while to try and expand that. Were they able to do that over the last few years? I don't think so. Not yet. I think right now I don't, I need to take a look. I I don't think they succeeded in that. The last big success was um, allowing craft distilleries to add, um, restaurants. Um, so you could on your, on your craft distillers license, you could open up, I think up to three additional locations and up to two of two of those could be with restaurants. And if you had a restaurant attached, um, you could actually serve cocktails because right now we've got these six pours at, uh, or up to six pours at a quarter ounce a piece. Or actually, I think they changed it. I think now okay. it's, I think it's now it used to be six pours quarter ounce piece now it's uh, one and a half ounces total per person however you want to serve it but you still can't serve it in a cocktail i think simple check on wait you so you can you can do an ounce and a half but you can't give it as a cocktail yeah let me let me you can't you can't mix it with juice i don't believe so well they definitely old rule was for sure you could do up to six pours quarter ounce each um and then you had to do a tasting to buy which made no sense to me. And then the law changed just like last year. Um, and now they got rid of that six 
at a quarter ounce restriction. Let me pull it up. See, we fact check. I don't know about all this research and fact checking. I mean, this is really setting a standard for the podcast I'm not comfortable <laughs> yeah. with. Uh, well, next week we'll go back to our normal routine. That's okay. Yeah, Zeno will definitely start spouting out some bullshit and that will help equalize this. Okay, I feel better about that. Uh, let's see. I was just going to say it up to the amount that they can produce to 100,000 gallons, which is plenty. Um, so says you. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, at a certain point you want to grow, right? But then you would ultimately, I think, transition out of craft distiller's license into a regular um, yeah. distilling license because you get some privileges right. for the craft right. distiller's license that you don't with the other. Uh, Are you seeing a lot of restaurants pop up now that they have that? Because Tennessee passed that as well, but I've only seen maybe one or two distilleries actually take advantage of the restaurant portion yeah and not yet in california i know of a few that are interested um and it might be partial i don't i don't know exactly why part of the issue is if you do that you can sell so like with a brewery in california if you have a restaurant attached you can serve um beer from other breweries that they can you know what? i'm gonna have to double check that too uh because we've got this thing of so the distributors got in and made sure that you couldn't do brewery to brewery sales and distiller to distiller sales when they're doing the restaurants so you have to go through a licensed wholesaler um and that was just kind of like the compromise that had to happen to make the deal go through um but i'm not sure on the beer side now that i'm thinking about it because i know in california breweries can have guest taps um but I'm not, I, I'm not sure if they can go direct to each other or not. In California, are they running into issues on the distilling side? Are they getting a lot of pushback from the winemakers and the brewers? Is Are they working together? Or are you seeing some kind of con- contention between the different branches of alcohol? Uh, I, I, haven't, I haven't really heard. I haven't seen it myself personally. And I haven't really heard about any kind of issues with them not cooperating. But I'm also not really seeing any collaboration necessarily. Um, and, and usually the idea is, um, everybody just wants parity in the law, but the legislature doesn't necessarily care about parity. They care more about, um, is is it going to be like a net benefit? Um, and so it's like, yeah, okay. So wine has a bunch of benefits because we had a bunch of laws passed way back when that benefits them. But why does that mean you need to sell the same amount of spirit? You know, I, I personally agree with that argument. I think parity is a stupid reason for getting laws changed. Lawmakers it's, it's, just don't care about that, yeah. It's it's nice, I guess, but I would rather have the argument be like we need this because it's better for, you know, the community, the industry, the tourism, the Yeah, that would be the pitch. All the, all the, the tourism points. We learned in DC. Yeah, ter- basically you may be lowering, you know, taxes, let's say, but what you're doing is you're increasing the amount of product they can afford to make, which increases overall tourism, which allows them to expand their, you know, they can build out the property, which raises property values, blah, 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 which can be good and bad depending on what's going on. All right. Time for fact checking. Um, so now you can serve up to 1.5 ounce sample, but that'd be it. You know, you can you get 1.5 total. You can divvy it up however you want. And they... <laughs> <laughs> you cut out a little bit and I heard you can serve up to 1.5 ounce samples. Nice. You're basically just pouring shots for people. Yes, that is the state I want to go to. You can pour up to 1.5 ounce total um, in however you want to divvy it up. So you do a single shot and that's your taste. Or split that up, you know, 12 ways, 13 ways. You could have a little eyedropper. Um, Is that like per person per day? Per person per day. 
and the samples served uh, okay. can now include a non-alcoholic mixer. So you can't get away with a full cocktail. So I know, in is it in Tennessee that you can make all of your um, kind of uh, liqueurs and, and whatnot so you can make a cocktail as long as you make everything on site? Yeah, we have our we have our two facilities have essentially full bars because of our you know many SKUs. Uh, right. So we can make you know the only thing I can't make is a martini because I am not interested in making a vermouth. That is a nightmare. Yeah. Challenge accepted. <laughs> so California doesn't have. Oh, I tried once. I failed. <laughs> yeah, California does not have that, um, which which is unfortunate because. Uh, I mean, it is better now that you can do a non-alcoholic mixer. So I guess you could do kind of like a margarita. I, well, no, you wouldn't want to do a margarita. Um, I guess you could do, I don't know, what would be a good non-alcoholic mixer for like a, a gimlet? Like a gin gimlet? Yeah, right? So you could do something like that. I mean, yeah, or, or just like a gin and tonic, yeah. right? Whereas before it was only, um, you know, the straight alcohol and most consumers aren't going to appreciate just the straight alcohol because that's not how they're going to be taking it. Just a huge shot of CBD oil. <laughs> oh, God. Well, California. Yeah. <laughs> That's your non-alcoholic mixer. <laughs> That's it right there. Uh, <laughs> as not your down. attorney, I advise against that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's a great quote that's got to be on one of the shirts as not your attorney <laughs> not a licensed and registered attorney but i will give you a lot of advice yeah uh well so do the do the craft distilleries there this is not necessarily law related but um is there a distillery trail you know there's, there's so much wine trail tourism out there i would assume there's something similar with the distilleries if there is um i'm i i consider myself to be kind of like it's poorly advertised and and i'm the kind of uh, i'm the kind of person that like i'm very into this you know I, i'm doing it as part of my work um and i and i read probably way more um alcoholic beverage blogs than uh probably any average consumer and if it is in california i have not heard of it we definitely have like a passport system for breweries. Um, and I've seen that. Uh, so right. I'm in Sacramento region and we have about a hundred breweries in the greater Sacramento area. And they're all in this passport where you can go and like get stamps. And I think if you hit them all, you get, I don't know, something at the end of t-shirt. I don't know. You should Google that Colton. Uh, search engine. it. We have, <laughs> we have to be careful now. <laughs> God, that would be such a horrible way to do everything. Well, I need to search under search that. engine <laughs> <laughs> through the power of the internet. <laughs> All right, so I guess what what change? What are the big changes that you're seeing in terms of what your clients are asking for? What you know from when you started to to now. I know that's not a huge span, so yeah, I don't. Be... Yeah, and I don't know if I've seen a whole lot of change. I, I have seen questions about um, so this new the craft the new craft distiller log is I passed in um, 20, 2015. So I guess that's been around a while, and yet I'm not seeing. You know what? I feel like they amended it in twenty seventeen because I, I feel like the ability to add the restaurants is even newer than this. Um, so I, I'm. No, it's in here. It's up to three restaurants. So it's kind of interesting that I'm not really seeing craft distillery restaurants taking off. Like I'm expecting more of that. I've gotten some questions about it, but it just seems like people aren't ready to pull the trigger. And the craft, I guess, I guess the issue is 
they haven't done what breweries have done, where they've become the new like community hub, where I was just reading an article about how um, the breweries that make it are the ones that are kid-friendly, which is kind of ironic, but they're kind of taking the place of like the former meeting halls, you know, um, the, the like the Odd Fellows Lodge. Like they're kind of filling that role, like the bowling alley. You're with, This is where you go to hang out that kind of we didn't have anything like that. 10 years ago. And I'm not seeing distillers trying to fill that niche. I mean, is part of that because it takes so much money and so much time and effort to actually start one up that honestly, a distilled pub is simply harder to put together than say no, a I'd pub. say that's a fair argument, but I look at wineries and we got a whole bunch of wineries throughout uh, Napa. And up here, we've got a lot more wine regions than probably even people um, you know, outside of California, probably even outside of Northern California, don't know about. Like we've got uh, Apple Hill up in Placerville. We got Amador County. We got Lodi, all making really great wines. Um, and those places um, have a really big like collective effect where they'll have an area where you all go. I guess it would be similar to your distillery trail, which hopefully one day I'll get to go on. And you'll go and you'll go spot to spot to spot, and they'll have like uh, outdoor seating. Some of them will have some food, and those aren't nearly as busy as breweries but still more busy than i'm seeing from like the craft distillery side and i would think that that would be more similar to a distillery in terms of startup cost because you've got all this issues with uh expensive uh grapes going in right all those barrels and all the aging so and the taxes are not as high but similar but i guess now that you're saying it too it it would make sense that the restaurant people would be more into the restaurants just because it would get you away from that ounce and a half tasting limit, right? If you have a restaurant and you're serving food and you can also serve your, your spirits there, there's probably not that quite as much of a limit to what, what the consumer can taste. Yeah, um, I, so to me, it would make sense that like I would, you know, uh, cause essentially you're just getting a regular liquor license at that point, right? Yeah, exactly. And you can do whatever cocktails, right? This is like your options open up so much more. So essentially what we're telling you, listener, is don't start a distillery, just start a restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're good at this. <laughs> well, and, I mean, here's the other thing, though, and this is what I do stress um, to clients is um, as you grow, new you're going to have new legal issues that you didn't have when you were smaller. So when you add on a restaurant, now you're going to have a lot more employees. Um, you're going to have a lot more employees that are now getting tips. Um, they're now working part-time. You're going to have more part-timers and full-timers. Um, you're going to have uh, different insurance issues. You're going to have consumers coming and eating food, um, which you're going to have to have insurance to cover any issues with that. Um, you're, it's, it's a lot more to it than just adding a restaurant. Now, what about if you added a hotel that sold tacos <laughs> onto your distillery. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. With not, nacho flavored rum. We can go past. All right. I see where you're going with this. I like it. But I'm pretty sure we can't afford the Taco Bell licensing, so we'll just have to do a half-ass like hack of it. Well, yeah, the generic search. Zeno's Taco House. Oh, oh, yeah. You can call it the the Flauta Triangle. I can't wait to get those lawsuits. <laughs> Corey, we are going to keep you busy, sir. <laughs> yeah. You're not, just said not your attorney yet. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay. So, Corey, I have one. Speaking, you know, we talked about like the most common things you're seeing, which are trademarks, issues like that. Um, 
what are you seeing that's kind of newer issues people are coming? Like you said, you, you brought up a really good point that smaller distilleries as they grow run into new issues that they weren't aware of, especially, you know, when it comes to employee HR issues, things like that. Um, but one of the things I just re- recently become aware of was the accessibility mm. issue with yeah. online like websites. So right now there's kind of a new trend where it used to be people would go to a physical facility and if they didn't say have a wheelchair ramp, that was a problem that they could, you know, essentially go after you. There could be lawsuits. There could be, um, you know, you have to, you know, pay to get it fixed and pay fines and fees, things like that. But now in the online world, there's accessibility issues where, say, if you have video content, you don't have closed captioning. Technically, people could go after you for that. And there's kind of a new wave of that happening. Are you seeing things like that? Or are there new legal issues kind of on the horizon that people should be aware of that you're yeah um, i've definitely seen that uh the ada compliance issue is coming up more on the winery side and Mm -hmm. it might just be because there's more wineries um i would expect them to start hitting up the breweries as well um but it's kind of like i mean when when they were doing the old school ada compliance they'd have to actually send someone out in a wheelchair um or or whatever kind of issue issue where they weren't able to access the facility like whatever their disability is and they'd have to send them out and have it they, they needed, needed a client, client they'd have right? to send out a tape measure they'd have to actually yeah. go take pictures at the site and they'd go site to site to site and you can imagine that takes a lot of time um whereas you could have anybody sitting at home going on these websites to find these issues um and i would suggest right. uh that as as much as possible um if you are having somebody design your website for you that in your bid or in your contract with them that you require that it be uh, as compliant as possible. Now, the issue with the ADA compliance is there isn't an actual standard on what you can do to guarantee your ADA compliance. There's kind of a best practice out there, and I don't know it off the top of my head. It's some acronym. And so if you follow that, you're probably okay. At the same time, I think the courts are realizing that this is a little bit of an abuse of the system and because there is not like a set fixed right. way to guarantee that you're in compliance it's kind of taking advantage of people that might be trying their best and not knowing what to do um it's a little bit different than you know when you design your facility um and whether you have ramps or not because that's been the law for so long that you'd expect a contractor to put that into the bid and make sure you're compliant um on the websites everything moves so fast uh that it's hard to keep up so there isn't really a standard that guarantees you're safe, but there is certain guidelines out there that if you do that, you should be fine. That coupled with some cases are coming down right now that are saying that you need to, just having a website's not enough. Um, even now, I think I think it requires more than even having a physical presence like that you could go to. I know that that used to be the distinguishing factor. If it was a website only, you were safe, but if you had a physical presence that or a physical premises that you could go to, that was bringing you within the bounds of the ADA. So I think that, yeah, that's a whole lot of talking to say. That's, that's so weird. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, okay. Best, best oh, practices. When you're, when you're building your website, if you're using like a, a host, um, see if they have ADA compliance stuff built in and take advantage of it. Um, if, if not, if you're having somebody design it for you, ask them how they're going to be doing that for you. And then make sure your agreement says they're responsible for ensuring your ADA compliant. I don't know if that'll work, but it'll at least give you a little bit of protection. Um, and then, uh, just cross your fingers and hope for the best. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> or just don't awesome. have a website. Don't have a website. Nobody needs them, really. Yeah. So. <laughs> no more websites. They're passe. They're absolutely bullshit. Just do podcasts. That's that's just the new podcasts. Thing. Yeah. One listener. You're all good. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I don't want to take credit for that information either, because the only reason I know that is because one of our one of our contributors uh, is a guy named Brian Defoe, Lane Powell and Associates here in Washington State. And he wrote an article in our next issue for the fall issue that we're putting out there. And he specifically talks about that and targets that as a new issue that they're seeing a lot of. Yeah. So. I appreciate you kind of feeding into that because that's that totally blew my mind. When and I I'm going to say that. read his article uh, in Artisan Spirits magazine to get the really mm-hmm. good details on how to be compliant. It is the best distilling trade publication that I own and operate in the industry. Except for still talking podcasks. <laughs> still talking podcasts is not a publication, <laughs> so I can totally get away with that one. <laughs> we publish blog posts occasionally. <laughs> oh, that's true. That's true. Okay. And they are, now I have to take that they back. Shit. We'll soon be ADA compliant. <laughs> yeah, now that we've outed ourselves as a weakness. <laughs> Shit. Brave, weird world out there, man. Yeah, I, I assume you were never, ever bored, Corey. Oh, no. <laughs> never. So my question was, who is the most frustrating to deal with beer, wine, or spirits? We answered Artisan Soda, so you are welcome to. <laughs> oh, no. Uh <laughs> I mean, hard seltzers are, are coming oh, in. Um, they're the drink of millennials. I don't know if you've read that or not. I've read about <laughs> 5,000 articles telling me this. Meanwhile, I've only had one. It was terrible. Oh, yeah. They're not great. Although I will say I was pretty impressed with the new White Claw memes that have been coming out. Yeah. I've been seeing those. Pretty, like They're actually pretty goddamn funny because <laughs> they make fun of white people at the same time as pushing White Claw as a product. It's kind of ingenious. Is that what we should be doing to sponsor or to promote our podcast? Yes, you should mock yourself incessantly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a new thing. We should try that sometime. <laughs> We're always so self-serious. Well, that, that's a t-shirt right there. <laughs> when, why so serious? I also think that might be a trademark issue. Shush, shush you, lawyers. Uh, did we talk about the, the excise tax uh, going up in December? Have we done that for this podcast yet? Oh, no. Good. Thank you. <laughs> We need God, to. it's almost like you listen to this podcast. That that's not something I can accept. So, all right, because uh, you need to go out and talk to your congressman. Uh, so my thought is, um, everybody should be planning as if the tax cut is not going to get extended, and right now start planning on how to push out as much clear spirit as possible. Um, get the get the bottles, uh, get it out, get get your uh, tax paid on it, um, and then you'll have a glut but it's not like you'll have to worry about it spoiling, right? Yeah. Um, and then to the extent that you're on the edge, if you're, if you're going to be pulling out, uh, pulling stuff out of barrels in January, maybe take a hard look and be like, can I pull it out in December? Well, wait, so how would you, how would you, if you, you so you produce all this clear spirit, but you're, you're, nobody's paying the federal excise tax until they take it out of bond. So until the distributor, so the, until the distributor, so you just take, you just have like a second warehouse, I guess, and then sell it off or just take it off bond. I'd look, I'd look, yeah, if you can, yeah, I'd look hard at doing that if you can, because if you could, that, I mean, that's a substantial savings. Yeah. Yeah. Just get a, yeah. So essentially you, you just have to do the math and yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get a small storage unit. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, there could be. There could be. Yeah, I would. I would say take a hard look at it now and see if you can pull it off. Um, yeah, you could be. You could put yourself into more issue if you want to just put it in uh, like a U-Haul space. <laughs> yeah. um, but, <laughs> but to the extent you can, you know, or to the extent you can get your distributor to agree to take extra. I mean, you should get as much out as you can while you have the tax. Now, did you? Because it's going to go up to what thirteen fifty yeah. again. Yeah, it's like a four hundred percent increase. Yeah. it's pretty rough. Did you see the new proposed? It's a separate issue, but the proposed, um, where you can kind of propose law where you can bank your uh, storage tax, I guess, or bank your excise tax when you produce the barrels versus when you take them out of bond. That makes so much more sense you to me. Kind of write write it write it off as a you know cost of goods initially versus you know later on eight years from now yeah because uh well i mean to the one i guess i'm assuming the i have not seen the drafts of that i'd hope they'd have something in there for when you lose spirit um we've we've seen all these rick houses collapsing right so you'd want to have something to where that's not just all the tax you paid on it and then you get nothing out of it um but in this current situation um if that were the case if if you could pay your tax on it when you produce it you could get the benefit of the tax cut right now and guarantee it and if that had been the law when this went in and what about a year two, and eight two, months yeah. ago um people could have just pushed out a lot of spirits and put in things that you wanted to age for you know 12 15 years knowing that you're going to be guaranteed this tax rate versus a variable rate you have no idea what it's going to be when you pull it out so do you think there's going to be a sort of a washout if the tax does go back up like how many distilleries do you think open in this two years because of this, you know, lower tax rate? I doubt it was as much as we'd like to think. No, I'm I'm not going to say open, but I'm going to say there's probably been a significant amount that bought equipment, took out loans. Hopefully, didn't take out loans. I really hope not because it was only a two year tax break. Um, but took out loans and and hired people. So you're gonna have people losing jobs. Yep. Um, you're going to have people with uh, equipment that they can't afford and not able to make the payments because now they can't sell as much as they could for as much as they could. Um, so it's, it's, it's just not good all around. If the only thing that's, uh, and I kind of, I, I saw this as an issue because it was packed, it was passed in the bundle, right? With the other tax cuts and that tax cut generally has soured and it's not been popular. Um, overall. And so kind of, I, I think it's a very uphill battle to get this thing passed um, by itself because it was a piece of, oh, there's no, there's no opportunity to get it passed. No one will bring it. Yeah. No one will bring it to the floor. No. By itself. Well, it, it, well, it's funny, Corey, you actually mentioned that because this is one of the rare pieces that does have bipartisan support. If we could get it in front as a standalone piece of legislation, there's actually a, a better chance that it would pass. But the problem is they, you're right. They don't do that anymore. They won't do a standalone piece of legislation, even though we have bipartisan support with quite a few co-sponsors on the Senate and the House side. So they have to put it into some other vehicle. And if it's a part of a massive tax extender package, then you're right. It's got bad optics. So we're running into that that issue where it may not go through just because of the, the massive, you know, partisan politics. Yeah, I, I sat in I sat in a bunch of meetings and and when we were in D.C. where the Congress the rep or senator was supportive of the bill, but was also saying, look, we know that the extender is going to be in a an extender package and there's going to be a bunch of, you know, garbage trillion dollar or, you know, 
benefits for the trillionaires out there and we can't support that. So basically you're screwed. Like, oh, well, thanks for taking the time to meet with us. Way to screw it all up for us, Colton. <laughs> yeah, it was me. You and your goddamn trillions. I actually gave them those lines. <laughs> I was meeting with them pre-meetings just so they knew what to say. God, I knew it. <laughs> and I guess, I mean, the only other thing people can try to do is, to the extent it's not going to pass, see what they can get in their own states about getting the excise tax reduced. At the same time, I don't think the state excise taxes, except maybe for Oregon, um, which we were kind of talking about earlier. That was off mic, so probably shouldn't have mentioned it. Uh, <laughs> uh, we talked about it a lot last night. So yeah. assuming listener is a reoccurring listener, they'll know. So like, to the extent you can try and maybe get local legislatures to offset that excise tax increase by cutting state excise taxes, that'd be great. I just don't know. I mean, maybe. Maybe in some of the states that are very distillery heavy, like a California and a Kentucky maybe a tennessee you could, might be able to swing it so although i don't know what's yeah well, what's like a tennessee excise tax so tennessee do whatever you want yeah do what you want well tennessee we have <laughs> you know with with dickel and jack but also we have about 40 distilleries almost i think um, we actually get almost 9 million tourists to our distilleries every year so we should you know that seems like a pretty decent argument for having local support to all those communities, especially when you go out to East Tennessee, which, you know, is a bunch of rural communities and the distilleries are bringing people there. Oh, thank you. You just tricked, uh, triggered something in my mind though. Um, tourism, you know, distillery tours. What I want to see a lot more in the industry that I'm not seeing is people signing waivers. <laughs> um, when you're having people on premises. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, we've, we've talked about that, but that seems, Good luck, right? <laughs> the only way I think the only way I can see it is if you sign up for a tour online on your non ADA yep. compliant uh, website, yep. <laughs> and website. very fine print says you are responsible for all your nonsense. Yeah, um, I don't even know if it would be very fine print. I think that the people that are willing to pay, you know, five to fifteen dollars for a tour that gives them, you know, maybe the same amount of money off a bottle at the end of the day. Um, I think those people would be, you know, they go to theme parks, right? Um, where they sign away all the rights when they buy their ticket. Um, and, and what you're doing is a lot more fun. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. All right, gentlemen. Uh, Zeno has joined. Zeno's final thoughts. <laughs> so tell me, Corey. Whoa, whoa, um, whoa, whoa. Are, are, are most laws really just suggestions? <laughs> final thoughts um that's okay you don't have to answer that i definitely would not uh all right get out there call your congress people that is the best final thought we've ever done <laughs> all right Corey, thank you so much for joining yes. us we really appreciate it cheers love you dummies 